Parsha Themes is for inspired people like you who are looking for engaging and relevant Parsha and Moedim thoughts. Our weekly discussions focus on uplifting thoughts and actionable ideas that will upgrade your Avodah Hashem and enhance your Shabbos and Yantav table. I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Tropper, and it's an honor to have you with me here today. Hello and welcome to Parsha's Beshalach as we embark on the Ramban. So we're opening up in Parak Yudalad, Pasuk Yudches. The Pasuk describes the Jews uh, and their exodus from Egypt. And it says, V'chamushim Yisrael. They left Egypt armed. And so the Ramban brings down two pshatim. And I want to develop something on this. So Hashem brought them through the Midbar specifically, but yet the Jews were afraid that the Pelishtim, who lived close to Egypt, would start attacking them. And therefore the Jews left armed, ready to go out to war and to defend themselves and their newfound freedom. Another pshat that he brings down is from the Eben Ezra. And for those that think that the Ramban only quotes Evan Ezra to argue with him, there are plenty of times that he agrees with him. And this is one, and he thinks it's an interesting shot, and he quotes it. That the Pasuk is telling us that the Jews left the Yad Ramah strong, and they were redeemed, and they weren't just slaves that were running away. And so what I wanted to develop is that in everyone's Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, which Ritzedek HaKoyim Lublin explains, that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is obviously a national holiday, an event that made the Jewish nation. But more importantly, in our own personal lives, we have different types of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayims. He actually has a whole mimer in Sitka Satsadik where he develops that there's a Pesach Mitzrayim, a, a small gradual process, and then there's a makeup date of Pesach Sheni for those that are Tameh and Derekhoka. And he has a whole explanation of what the two differences, how they work, etc. Suffice it to say, in this shot right here, in our personal Egypt, when we're trying to leave the Meitzar Yam, the things that cause us to feel like we are limited and incapable and unable to succeed in life, we need to have two approaches. One of them is we always need to be ready to fight. We always need to be ready for battle, to wage that war, whatever it takes to be able to fight the Mohammed Sayyidzer and to fight against the things that are in our way and that are holding us back. And the other is that we should never think that we're a slave running away. We should always hold ourselves with dignity, that we are dignified people in everything that we do. And that's the second shot. Just an interesting idea. Moving on to Parak Yudalad, Pasuk Yud. So the Pasuk says that the Jews arrived at, at the uh, Yam, and they were scared. They were very, very scared, and they called out to Hashem. And they said to Moshe, are there no places to bury us in Egypt? So the Ramban points out this very strange dichotomy in the Pasuk, that on the one hand, it says that they were very scared and they called out to Hashem. So it seems like they have a Munami Tachum. They're calling, they're turning to the right source. On the other hand, they're yelling at Moshe and they're saying, why did you take us out? Aren't there enough places to bury us in Egypt? And so, although other Rishonim have different Pshatim, but the Ramban says that, no, what this is saying is that there were two types of people. There was, oh, those, everybody was scared, but then some of the B'nai Yisrael, the Ramban says, the Yechidim, the special ones, those had their heart and mind in the right place. They called out to Hashem because that's what that's what a person should do. But then there were others who didn't have bitachon to the level of what was expected of them. And they're the ones, Vayomer Moshe, that started complaining and blaming Moshe and saying, aren't there enough kvarim in Mitzrayim? And every time that it says the word ha'am, the nation, it's always a genai, says the Ramban. And anytime it says Yisrael, that's a lashon shevach, and it's a praiseworthy way of referring to them. And so... That's what was going on. 
that the Yechidim, they turn to Hashem, which is what you're supposed to do in your time of trouble. And the Am, many people cried out and blamed Moshe and said, what did you do? We're trapped. They're chasing after us. We can't escape. We have a Yam in front of us, Egypt beside us. And the measure says there were animals next to them, Egypt behind them, animals next to them, and there's nothing to do. So they yelled at Moshe. So the Ramban says a very fascinating thing here. He says, by Moshe, there was a suffix now that the Jews had. Maybe Moshe took us out in order just to rule over us because he wanted to be in charge. And even though they had seen the Osos and Mofsim, they started thinking, maybe he did it by Chachma, or Hashem brought it on the Gaim because they were Rishayim, but who said that Moshe was really fulfilling the Ratzon Hashem to take us out? And, and some of the Jews started to say, says the Ramban, if Hashem wanted us to go out, then we wouldn't be chased by Paro. And this is the confirmation bias that we all live with, that when we start having doubts and we start questioning things, despite our Gedolim telling us one thing, and Moshe certainly proved himself that he was a Navi of Hashem, and Aaron was a Navi of Hashem, and the Gedolim and all the great people in the generation, including Sarah Basasher, Korne Chazal, had the tradition that Moshe, this, the Moshia, had fulfilled, and he brought proofs and showed them miracles. And of course, we all know the famous Rambam about why the Jews believed in Moshe and they trusted him. That's true. I'm not touching on that fully. But my point here is just that when a person starts having doubts, it's a very, very downward spiral. And they could start making up all types of excuses that even the Makos weren't real. And who knows what really happened. Of course, the Jews had all their answers when they got to Harsinai and they finally made it there. Even at the Yamsuf, the Yamsuf was fascinating was an important part of the Geula because now they saw, the Pusik says that they saw Mitzrayim was destroyed and in shambles and they were dead. And there's nothing more liberating for a uh, previous slave than to see that those that subjugated and pained him are no longer able to do so anymore. And by Amino Basham Moshe Avdo, as we say in Tefillah. But the point is that at that moment of weakness, when they were denying and they were questioning, so they said some pretty far out things about Moshe. But we all have that power in ourselves if we're not careful of our biases, we're not careful of our ego, that we have the power to deny things that are reality. So we always need to make sure we're checking in with ourselves, checking in with other people that we're accountable to. Moving on to Perak Tesvav, Pasuk Chaf. So the Pasuk describes Miriam as leading the women in their song, Praise to Hashem for the Gula, and it calls Miriam Achos Aaron. She was the sister of Aaron. And so the Roman is a little bit confused as to why the Torah would throw it in. Who cares? Why do you have to mention Aaron's name here? So he says that I believe the Pshat is that before in the Shira, they mentioned Moshe and Miriam, but Aaron was never mentioned. And so in order to give a tribute to Aaron, who was also part of the uh, Geula, it says Achos Aaron here. She was, Aaron was one of the older brothers in the family. And so there's a certain tribute and respect given to him. We know that Moshe himself didn't want to take the honor of leading out the Jews because he was afraid that Aaron would be insulted because he was the older brother. So we see the um, honor that he accorded his older brother. And so that is what's going on over here. Therefore, the Torah wants to make sure that it mentions Moshe and Miriam and Aaron as well, that he was also a Navi and a Kaddish Hashem. And again, if we look at this great family, we see what created them. Uh, we have Yocheved, who was a boss Levi daughter of the great Levi, one of the 12 Shvatim of Yaakov. And we have Amram, who also came from Levi, and the great mysterious nefesh that they had for Klai Yisrael in trying to lead the Jews and take care of the Jews in Mitzrayim. 
And this is what produces a great family of Aaron, Moshe, and Miriam when you look at them. It's interesting. It's famous that the Ramah, who lived in the 1500s, so he had a brother who was a big tzaddik. His name was Aaron. His name, of course, was Moshe Israelis. So he was Moshe, and he had a sister named Miriam as well. It's very interesting. So holy Jewish families are come from holy Jewish parents and a lot of davening. So another shot there Ramban says also is that the derech of the Pasuk is to be miyaches, uh, a, a person to the oldest of the brothers. And we find this by B'nai Kalei V'achei Rachmiel, and uh, mentions the oldest brother. That's Rachmiel, that's Ram, that's Kalubi. So we have all the, these different psukim. And again, the older brother is supposed to be a role model for the younger siblings. And we know the profound impact that siblings have on one another, and becoming a family of Ovdi Hashem. Uh, what a beautiful opportunity it is to inspire others in our family. Moving right along to Perak Yud Zion, Pasuk uh, Hey. So it says, Umatcha Asher Kisabo. Moshe was told the, the, ma- the mata that you hit. So Aaron had been Nitzavet, says the, says the Ramban, um, to use the stick in order to bring some of the f- first makos on the yar. And it doesn't say the, ma- the mata that turned into a nachash. It doesn't say the one that you turned into a snake or the mata that you did the osos with. So why does it say a sherhikisabo that you hit the, the yar? So the Ramban says that it's trying to teach us a pella. It's trying to point out the contrast here, because back then, what did it do? It hit the R, which was water, and it turned it into blood. That was the first maka. So it totally changed it from its teva of water into blood. And now, when there's a dry rock, you're going to hit the rock, and it's going to turn something into water. And so again, it's going to do the opposite. And it's dabarifucha. Whenever you see something that could do the opposite, that shows us even more strongly how Hashem is just the one who's running the show. And this is a big yisod that the Ramchal and Das Tunis develops, and also Chaim Freelander and Das Tunis brings down from the altar of Kelm, who developed this theme as well, that we find, for example, by um, the story of Purim with Achashverosh. So there's a medrash that says that um, Hashem is the one who runs the show. Who Achashverosh? Because this was this Achashverosh that Hashem used as a pawn. Because first, Hashem had Achashverosh kill his wife because of his friend, and then he had him kill his friend because of his wife, meaning that first Hashem showed, okay, I need to get Esther into the palace, I need to save the Jews, etc. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Achashverosh take the advice from Haman and kill his wife Vashti. So he killed his wife because of his friend. And then later at the end, the Jews are saved because Hashem has it that Esther, his wife, has them kill Haman, his friend. So what's the shot? The shot is that Hashem is all-powerful. He could do whatever he needs to do, move it around, and change things to where Hashem says, I am all-powerful. I run nature. I could do a dover v'hifucho. I could do one thing and do the opposite. From a rock, I could bring water. And from water, I could bring dumb. And from throwing in a salty stick, I could bring sweet water. So whatever needs to be done. This shows Hashem's power. The same Medrash also talks about Yosef getting out of jail, that he was thrown in jail because the Medrash also says that Hashem did the same similar idea by Yosef Atzadik, that first he had a uh, Potiphar, Ashes Potiphar, who was Yosef's uh, master's wife, got the master angry at him, accusing Yosef of 
sitting with her, and that got Yosef thrown into jail. And then Hashem made Paro get angry at the Sarah Mashkim, which is what ended up, and then the Sarah Ophim, which is what ended up pulling him out of jail. So Hashem says, I could get you in, I could get you out, whatever it is. Hashem is unlimited. And Hashem likes to show that. So a person should never think, Hashem can't help me. Hashem is limited. Hashem is never limited. Hashem can do anything. And from things that seem like they're exactly the opposite of Teva, that could come all the greatness. There was one Sadiq that one time said, anytime I ever asked Hashem to do something for me, and I started to make a Hajjman, okay, Hashem, I need to get this money right now, and I'm begging you to help me. So great, I turned to Hashem. But I would think of five different ways that Hashem could help me. Maybe this person that owes me money will bring it. Maybe that person who's a big donor will help. And Hashem always showed me it's going to be from a totally opposite place, a totally unexpected place. That's where it came. That's how Hashem shows us that I run the world. The more we recognize this, the more we see Yad Hashem. Finally, last thought for today is Parak Yud Zion, Pasuk Tess. Moshe said to Yehoshua, the Ramban says, wait a minute. I thought we learned in Parsha Shalach, way further down in the Torah, that his name was Hoshea, and that Moshe changed his name to Yehoshua. So what's the shot here? In the Pasuk, it says explicitly that Hashem said to Yehoshua, we see that, wait a minute, Moshe didn't change his name later. He changed it here. So the Ramban says clearly, I see here that, and this is based on the Zohar in Parsha Shalach, actually, that Moshe always had reached, had changed Yoshua's name from Hosea to Yoshua. And we have many Pesukim that refer to Yoshua as Yehoshua. So that which Chazal say that, what does that mean? So he explains that it doesn't mean that he changed it then, but what it means, and again, the Zohar says this, and Chazal say this as well, that because of that Misa, Moshe knew in the future that he was going to go with Meraglim, Benavua, so therefore he changed him now. So Nira Lee, I believe that perhaps what the Ramban is saying is that if you think about the words that Moshe used, Hoshea, his original name was Hoshea, everybody agrees. Moshe met him and changed his name to Yehoshua. So two Ha'aras. First of all, a Rebbe changes the Talmud's name. What does that mean? Your name is your essence of who you are. And a Rebbe teaches you who you really are. The name that your Rebbe gives you is a name that hopefully helps you understand yourself and helps you take that name for yourself. And so Moshe was the ultimate Rebbe. And he wanted to train Yoshua into the ways of a Torah. And so he figuratively changed his name, meaning he taught him something. But what did he teach him? This is the second part. The name Yoshua, Ka Yoshiacha, doesn't have anywhere in there, Me'atzas Meraglim. It just is, Ka Yoshiacha, may Hashem save you. It never says anywhere, Me'atzas Meraglim. So nearly the pshat is that he, he changed his name saying, in life, Hashem has many opportunities and many things that he needs to change you, that he needs to save you from. So, May it be Hashem's will that you should always you should always see how Hashem is saving you and making your life better and taking care of you. And yes, one of the main times in your life is going to be by the Moraglan, but it should always be your always see that Hashem is saving you and changing your life and saving you from bad influences. Thanks for joining us. For more Torah content and to make sure you never miss an episode, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at parshathemes.com.